Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. Connect further with us by downloading the Dream City Omaha app or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe for more. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Did you enjoy worship this morning? Not that worship is ever for us, right? Like we, we understand it's, it's not about us. We're not worshiping so that we're, we feel good. We're not worshiping so that we get something out of it. We're worshiping for him. But we had a, we had a great time uh, of worship here this morning. And, and for those of you joining us online, I know that only so much of that is able to transfer across. If you're joining us from out of the area, obviously, I understand that. But if you're, if you're here, if you're local, I would encourage you to, to come on out and be a part of service. Can we welcome all of our online viewers this morning, all of our, all of our guests that may be here today as well? I uh, just want to highlight one of the announcements. The, uh, the Pine Ridge Missions trip is coming up the, the end of June, and, uh, and Pastor Doby's wanting to take as much food and as much water up there as we can, and, uh, and we've got some food, and so we're, we're going to take all of that, but we're, what we're asking you to do and, and really allowing you to be a part of what God is going to do up there, we just encourage you over the next several weeks, when you're at the store, buy an extra case of water, and then when you come on Wednesday night for discipleship class, those of you that are attending on Wednesday nights or next Sunday or any of the following Sundays, just bring that in, drop that off right here in the front. And we're just trying to collect as much water as we can as we go up to the Pine Ridge Reservation just to love on those people and to be a blessing to them as well. This morning, we're going to get into the Word if you're ready for that. And in our reading this week, how many of you have been following along in the, the chronological reading plan? Several of us are, like a lot of you are, very good. If, if you're newer to, to Dream City, maybe this is your first week at Dream City, maybe you've been, you've been trying to figure out if Dream City is the place that you're going to be planted or not, would encourage you, what we're doing is we're reading through the Bible together chronologically this year. So we started back in January, and I recognize that it's, it's May, but if you get in now, you'll get most of the Old Testament and all of the New Testament. And so, so even if you join us and you, and you start, maybe you don't start all the way back in Genesis, although if you want to, to get extra credit, you could go back and catch up. Uh, have you ever found a good podcast and you found it like in episode 60, but you enjoyed it so much that you went back to episode one to, to listen, to get caught up? You could do that with the Bible reading plan if you wanted to. But in our reading this week, it was, it was kind of one of those hard weeks. I was talking to somebody this week and they said, you know, this is just, this is a section of scripture that's hard for me to read. And he said, it's hard for me to read because I love David so much. And because I love David so much and David is like my guy, it's hard for me to read when, when David messes up, when David stumbles, when David falls. He said, it's kind of like, you know, one of those family members or those friends that you see, you know, they're doing something and you wish you could just stop. And no matter, no matter how many times I read it, like, I just, I just hope that this time it's going to be different. Like, David, don't call on Bathsheba this time. David, don't, don't do it this time. But every time we read it, we know he does. And so it was, it was kind of one of those difficult, if, if, you're, if you're a fan of King David, if you can relate to King David, I think, I think all of us can relate to King David this week specifically. Maybe we can't relate to him being anointed as the king of Israel. Maybe we can't relate to killing a uh, a giant with a sling and a stone. Maybe we can't relate to taking care of sheep in a field, but we can relate to sin. We can relate to messing up and we, we can relate to, to making a mess out of situations in our lives. And that's what we read this week. And so uh, for, for those of you that, that haven't been a part of the chronological plan, you're gonna get in on it today. For those of you that have, this is, this is going to be a refresher for you. And then we're gonna examine God's word and see what he would have to say to us today, Second Samuel chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read uh, from verse 1 down to verse 9. Here's what the Bible says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab, Joab was the, the commander of the army, he sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites, and they destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, even there, it says when kings normally go to war, where do we see David? 
We see him staying behind. And late one afternoon after his midday rest. Come on, somebody. Anybody yeah. <laughs> feel like, especially on Sundays, you feel like you need a midday rest. After his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. This is where he should have employed the bounce method. Does anybody know what the bounce method is? Fellas, I'm, I'm going I'm to teach you something today. When you're, when you're out and about and you see something that attracts your attention that you should not be giving attention to, just bounce. And I've said this before, I've shared it before, you know, when you're walking through the mall in that one store, we know, we all know what store that store is. You walk by that store, don't gaze, don't ponder, bounce. You walk through the mall, you just bounce. And even if you, you look like you're just bouncing all over there, just bounce. David comes out on the rooftop and he sees Bathsheba, this woman of unusual beauty, the Bible says. Like, we've read about some handsome men to this point chronologically, right? We, we've read about Joseph and he was, he was handsome. We read about David. David is, is handsome. We've read about those. But, but this woman was a woman of unusual beauty, taking a bath and rather than bouncing, he noticed. Verse 3 says, he sent someone to find out who she was and he was told she's Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, if we go back to 1 Chronicles, we will see Uriah's name mentioned among David's mightiest warriors. He was one of, one of the 30 of David's mighty men. She's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period, TMI. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a text, and all it said was, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. This is Bathsheba's husband. So Joab sent him to David, and when Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Now, David really didn't care how the war was progressing. He really didn't care how the army was getting along. He, he wasn't looking for any, any status updates from the battlefield because we see David's true intention. Verse 8, he tells Uriah, go home, relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, as we examine this, this particular passage of Scripture, Lord, it's, it's a difficult one as we, as we get a glimpse into the mindset, the thought process, the actions of King David, a man who you yourself referred to as a man after God's own heart. And to this point, we've seen him as a young man faithfully tending to his father's sheep. We've seen him as a young man charge down into that valley to confront Goliath for, for blaspheming your name. Lord, we've seen him run from Saul. We've seen him, him hiding in caves and, and surviving and staying one step ahead as Saul tried to kill him. We've seen him now uh, crowned not just the king in the south, but, but the king over the entire nation of Israel. Lord, there have been so many honorable things that, that David has done to this point in his life. And Lord, as we, as we see today, David stumble. As we see David sin, and not just sin, but then try and cover up his sin. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this would not just be words on a page, but Lord, even, even if we can't relate to David as king, we can, we can relate to David as human. As a, as a man born into sin, with a sinful nature in need of, of a savior. So Lord, I pray that, that where conviction is needed, that you would bring conviction today. Lord, we thank you for, for your grace, even as we sing about this morning. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that, that you paid it all. And while there was a stain upon our lives, Lord, you you came to wash us and make us white as snow. Pray that you would do that today 
as we examine your word. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. So David sees this woman taking a bath. He sends messengers to get her. She comes to the palace. How the, the evening played out, I don't know. I'm sure in that time there was something about if the king tells you to do something, you just, you do it. He gets her pregnant and the next thing we see is he's calling her husband home from, from the battle lines. He calls Uriah home and he says, Uriah, you know what? I was just looking for an update, but I'm glad things are going well. Why don't you go home and take a day, take the night, just relax, knowing in his mind, if Uriah goes home, he's going to spend the night with his wife. If he spends the night with his wife, once she starts to, to show and people know she's pregnant, it, it won't be a question as to where the baby came from because Uriah came home from battle and, and went home that evening. But rather than going home, what does Uriah do? He sleeps on the, the doorstep of the palace that night. David wakes up and he finds out Uriah didn't go home. He says, Uriah, why didn't you go home? And Uriah says, my Lord, how can I go home and relax and, and be with my wife when Joab and the ark and, and the, the rest of the army are living in tents out in the open field? It wouldn't be right for me to go and enjoy my wife's presence while my friends and the rest of the army are are suffering out on the battlefield, it wouldn't be right. And David says, okay, very honorable of you. Why don't you stay one more day, come to dinner, just come to dinner with me at the palace. And what does he do? He gets Uriah drunk that evening, hoping that in a drunken state, Uriah will find his way home, but Uriah still, still doesn't do that. Now David is, is forced with a decision to make. Uriah can't stay here forever. Uriah has to go back to battle, but Uriah hasn't, he hasn't acquiesced to my plan. He hasn't gone home. He hasn't spent any time with his wife. Now something needs to be done. And so he sends Uriah back to the, to the battlefield, but this time he sends him with a letter to Joab, the commander. And he sends this letter to Joab and here's what the letter to Joab says. Go ahead and put that scripture up. He told Joab, he said, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is the fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. This man after God's own heart, this man who wrote the majority of the Psalms that we find in scripture, finds himself in this position where he has, he has committed a sin against the Lord, and rather than, rather than confessing, rather than repenting, what is his, what is his go-to strategy? His go-to is, I have to cover this up. I have to make sure that nobody, nobody knows about this. Have you ever been there? Have you ever made a mess and tried to cover it up? Have you ever made one mistake and then covered it up with another mistake. Angel's, Angel's out of town this week. She's down in, in Phoenix at Dream City Phoenix for, uh, for their women's conference. And so I've been playing Mr. Mom. And I'm proud to tell you all my kids are still alive. Um, we have one pet that might not be, but our kids are still alive. And that's what really matters, right? Like, as long as the kids are still alive. Um, and as... as <laughs> As I've been taking care of the kids this week, it reminded me of another time when Angel went out of town and left me home alone with the kids. And I remember this one particular time, the boys were little. We just had Jason Isaiah at the time, and Isaiah was, was just a little guy, and he was potty training. And so, parents, you, you know that potty training stage where you, you, leave him in, you leave him in the big boy pants, but then they make messes in the big boy pants, and they don't know what to do with the big boy pants, and then you have to clean up after the big boy pants. You know what I'm talking about? That stage. We were living in that stage, and Angel thought it'd be a good idea to go out of town. And I remember... I remember this is one day Isaiah came running in, and when Isaiah came running in, he didn't have his big boy pants on. And not only did he not have his big boy pants on, he had remnants of some stuff down the back of his leg. And I said, Isaiah, where are your, where are your, where are your pants, son? And he said, I don't know, Dad. 
I said, no, Isaiah, where are your pants? And I don't know, dad. So I go into the bathroom and now there's remnants on his leg and there's remnants on the floor and there's remnants on the wall, but there are no underwear to be found anywhere. Now I have to find the underwear, right? Because because there's some poopy underwear somewhere in this house that my two-year-old son is not telling me where they are. So I went and looked in the trash, not in the trash. I went and looked under his bed, not under his bed. I went and looked, and looked everywhere I could think to look. I can't find these things. And all I'm thinking is Angel's going to get home and this house is going to smell like poop. And, and so I finally, after a few minutes, like I gave up looking for the pants and I said, I got to clean my son up. So I cleaned him up, cleaned up the floor, cleaned up the walls, and I hit the, the handle on the toilet. And when I hit the handle on the toilet, rather than the water going down, the water started coming up. And so I grabbed the plunger, and right before I went to plunge, I had this epiphany. And it was this, that... He had put his big boy pants into the toilet and thought, let me just flush these because that's what we do. And so rather than plunging it, I ran to the closet. I grabbed a hanger. I took apart the hanger. I stuck the hanger. I don't know how, like MacGyver, like, I don't know. Give me a match, a hanger, and a rubber band, and I can make you anything. And so I stuck the hanger and, and pulled it out, and out came his big boy pants. And as soon as he saw his big boy pants, he started jumping up and down. He's like, Dad, you found them. Dad, you found them. Good job, Dad, you found them. And I was like, hold on, but if you knew where they were, like, why didn't you, why didn't you tell me to begin with? I mean, you're making a game out of this, right? And why do I tell that story? I tell that story because it's, it's a funny story. I tell that story not to embarrass my son, although I see him turning a little red back there in the booth this morning. But I tell that story to, to illustrate this point that, that you and I, we've all been there. We've all, we've all done things. We've all made mistakes. We've all, we've all messed up. And rather than going to our father and saying, Dad, listen, I messed up. I sinned against you. I sinned against my brother. I, I need to confess. I need to repent. Will you wash me? Will you cleanse me? What do we do? In, in our mess, we try and discard it. We try and cover it up. We try and hide it. So often, that's how we treat our own sin. It's so easy for us to point out the sin in other people. It's so easy for us to give advice to other people in their sin. But when it comes to us and our sin, our first response is, I can't let anybody see this. That's what David does. He gets Bathsheba pregnant. So he says, Uriah, go, go sleep with your wife so that everyone will think it's your kid. Doesn't happen. Sends Uriah back to the battlefield, tells Joab, pull back from him so he's killed in battle. And, and he is. When David got word that he was killed in battle, he called for Bathsheba and made Bathsheba his wife. We see this play out in scripture and, and the whole time we're reading, if you read it like I, the whole time we're reading, it's like, David, what are you doing? Did you have that thought this week when you read that? Like, how did you think this was going to play out? But do you know how many times I've said that to myself? Like, looking back, like, how else did you think it was going to play out? See, this morning, as we, as we talk about sin, I want to give you four truths. Four truths about sin. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, I would encourage you to write these down. If you've ever sinned, I would encourage you to write these down. If you think there's a possibility that you'll sin again in the future, I would encourage you to write these down. If you're sinning right now by not writing these down, I would, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Four truths this morning when we, when we talk about sin. The first truth is this. When it comes to sin, we have to understand that there is no Hidden sin. No sin is hidden sin. David, or David thought he could hide it. I've thought that I could hide it. I'm sure that you have thought at times in your life that you could hide it. But I'm here to tell you today that no sin is a hidden sin. Deuteronomy reminds us and Deuteronomy tells us, it says, be sure that your sin will find you out. 
Your sin is going to come to the surface eventually. Here's what I've learned in my life. Really quickly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just help you out today. Either you can come forward with your sin or God will come forward with your sin. Either you can bring it into the light or God is going to bring it into the light. But eventually, it will be brought into the light. Even those things that nobody knows about, even those things that nobody knows about. And at the end of the day, even if it's just you and God that know about it, you and God know about it. Even if it's just God who sees everything that looks down and says, hey, I see what you did. I know what you're doing. You can't keep a secret, a secret from God. Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 12, and here's what, here's what Jesus says. He says, there's a time that's coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. All that is secret will be made known to all. This, the time is coming where the things that have been done in the darkness will be brought to the light. Those things that you did when no one was watching that you thought nobody saw, guess what? God saw it. Young person, you might have your parents fooled, but you don't have God fooled. Sir, you might have your spouse fooled, but you don't have God fooled. You might have your friends fooled. You might have your small group fooled. You might have your pastor fooled. And you come in every week and you're down worshiping and your hands raised and you're saying the right things and you're praying the right things and you're serving in the right places and you're doing all the things that, that you know you should be doing. And you might have us fooled, but you don't have God fooled because there is no such thing as hidden sin. But so often in our shame, what do we do? We respond like Adam and Eve in the garden. What do they do? They eat from the apple, they realize they're naked, they hear God walking around in the garden and they run and they hide. God calls out to them and says, where are you? Not that God didn't know, but they didn't know. He says, where are you? And they said, we're here and we're, we're hiding. We're afraid because we're naked. And he says, who told you? How'd you find that? Like, what happened? God knew full well, but he had to get them to a place. And, and as they came forward in their shame, he took their coverings and he made coverings for them. See, when we go in, in response to our shame, when we try and flush those, those dirty big boy pants, when we try and cover it up in our own lives, what do we do? We, we create these, these coverings for ourselves that if, if, if I cover myself this way, then nobody will see and they're, they're ill-fitting. They're not made for us. They're not natural. That's not the way that God intended. And God says, if you would have just come to me, then I would make something that would fit you well. And, and even from the garden and God's response to the, their sin, we see his response is the same for you and I today because in our sin, we try and cover ourselves under the weight of the shame. And he says, that's not my intent. That's not my design. That's not what I want. But if you would just come to me, then I would cover you and I would take the shame and cover you with my righteousness. I would, I would take those, those feelings of guilt and I would, I would cover you with peace, knowing that you are, you are righteous in me. And if we would just stop trying to hide our sin, really quiet today. If we would stop trying to cover it up, if we would stop trying to, to, to make everybody think that we've got it all together. See, the incorrect response every time to sin is to cover it up. I don't know about you, but the, like, this is one that I have had to fight my entire life with. Growing up, I think part of it is growing up the way that I did and as a pastor's kid. And I think part of it is just my own pride. But when I was, when I was caught in something, my first instinct was always to lie. No, that wasn't me. No, I didn't do it. No, you, that's not, it's not what you think. Try and cover, try and deceive, try and manipulate. It's easy for me now to read David and say, David, what are you doing? But I look back and it's like, how many times was I David in my life? How many times have I done the exact same thing? We have to understand that number one, there are no 
There are no hidden sins. The second thing, second truth about sin that I want to share with you is that there are no little sins. There are no little sins. There, there, there are no little white lies. Sin is sin is sin is sin. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is, is talking. It's the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but, but I say Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is talking to them, to this religious culture, this culture of religiosity, and they say, he, he says, yes, you, you have the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. You've heard those things, but, but here's what I say. It's no longer just about what you do on the outside, because God doesn't just judge your action. He judges your heart. He says, it's not just what's going on on the outside, but it's also about what's going on on the inside. Okay, don't commit adultery. Yeah, that's great. But also don't look lustfully at a woman because a sin is a sin is a sin. And God hates all sin equally. God hates all sin. He hates all sin. All sin is hated by God. There are no little sin because all sin leads to death. There are no little sins because all sin rots our souls. See, God is totally pure. He's totally righteous. He's totally holy. Even the smallest amount, the Bible says. Even the smallest amount of, even a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Even a little bit of sin will rot your soul. Even a little bit of sin, unrepented sin, will keep you out of heaven. Just a little bit. Well, it's, not, it's nothing big. Did you ask God how big he thought it was? I love you guys. And that's why, that's why, listen, like, I could preach David and Bathsheba, and I have before, and I could preach about, you know, don't compromise, and I could preach a number of different things. I could have picked a psalm this week, and, but I feel like it's, it's time for us to, to really start looking inwardly at the sin in our hearts and the sin in our lives. It's time for us to, to clean house personally. And so we, we see that, that God hates sin. God hates all sin and, and even just the, the littlest bit. I, I remember during COVID, Angel got COVID early on and we both got COVID and, and for her, her only symptom was she lost taste and smell. Anybody have that? When you got COVID, you lost taste and smell. Did you get it back fairly? Anybody still without taste or smell? Man, my mother-in-law is the same way. We'll be, I'll pray for you. But she lost taste and smell. And I remember one night she was, she was making some guacamole. And we like guac. I love like good, like good guac. Very few things better than good guac. But guac is one of those things that you kind of make according to taste. You know, you mash up some avocado, put some onion, put some cayenne pepper, put, you know, depending on what you guys do, some lime juice, some jalapeno, mix it up, take a bite. What else does it need? A little more salt. That's how Angel makes her guac. No taste. <laughs> no smell. She's making guac one night. She's got it sitting there and she says, John, come try this guac because I don't know if it's good or not. Now she makes, listen, normally, she makes really good guac. So I go over and take a, ch a chip, like not just a little bit. Because this is guac, right? Like big old chip full of guac. Put it in my mouth. All I taste is onion. Like I feel like I just took a bite out of an onion. And I said, babe, I said, how much onion did you put in this? And she said, just a little bit. I said, well, you're going to need about eight more avocados to mute that onion taste. Remember, she said, she said, just a little bit. And in the same way, just that little bit of onion overpowered everything else in the guac. Just a little bit of sin in your life is able to destroy your relationships. Just a, a little bit of sin in your life will cause this, this barrier between you and your heavenly father. Just a little bit of sin in your life will keep you from living in the abundant life that he has already purchased for you to have. Just a little bit 
of sin. It's just a little pride. It's just a little lust. It's just a little gossip. It's just a little unforgiveness. It's nothing major. I haven't murdered anybody. Well, good for you, but stop talking about your neighbor behind their back. I haven't committed adultery. Okay, but stop watching that junk on TV. I haven't done any of the big things. They're all big to God. There's no such thing as a little sin. Number three, the third truth about sin today is that sin always has consequences. Sin always has consequences. I've heard the saying, and you've probably heard it too, that sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you way more than you're wanting to pay. And in the moment, we don't think about that. Right? In the, in the moment, we don't... We don't we don't get the invoice for our sin the moment we sin. The invoice comes later on. David just, he, he stepped out on his balcony one night and there's this woman of unusual beauty bathing on a rooftop. Who has pools and baths on the roof? I don't know. Bathing on the rooftop. And he says, hey, who's that? That's Bathsheba. That's Uriah's wife. That's Uriah's wife. That's Uriah's wife. Where's Uriah? He's at battle with the rest of the army in Joab, where you should be. Invite her to the palace tonight. He wasn't given the invoice in that moment. He wasn't, he wasn't told what the consequences were in that moment. He had a decision to make. He had a choice to make. Continue down the path that he had started or recognize the error of his ways and turn around, repent, and go the opposite direction. He continued down the path. It gets to a point where in the next chapter, we see the prophet Nathan come to him. And I shared this a little bit last week. He comes to him and he says, David, you're that man. You're that man. And God, God's seen what you did. God saw it all. Second Samuel chapter 11, or chapter 12, verse 11, here was what Nathan said, he said, this is what the Lord says because of what you've done, David. Here's the consequences. I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Now when... When David stepped out on his balcony, do you think if he would have known this then, do you think it would have changed David's course of action? What do you guys think? How many of you think it would have changed his course of action? Like had he known this, he would have said, you know what? Yeah, uh, not worth the trouble. I've got wives, I've got concubines. Yes, she's beautiful, but is the juice worth the squeeze? How many of you think he still would have done it? Okay, about half and half. I think if, if, if I was David, and in that moment, God came to me and said, hey, listen, if you do this, here's what's going to happen. I would have said, okay, no thanks. No thanks. I'd have bounced my eyes, Absolutely. No. See, there are times in my life where had I known the consequences of my sin, no way. Had I, had I known that going out and partying with my friends in high school, had I known that, that going to parties and, and getting drunk, had I, had I known that that would, have, that would have driven this hook inside of me to the point that I would have ended up sitting in jail for two days, watching, watching the man in the bunk next to me make necklaces by pulling the strands of thread off of his orange jumpsuit? If I would have known what it would have led to, if I would have known what it would have cost me, if I would have known where it was going to take me, if I would have known, like, no. But here's the thing. When we read scripture, we very clearly see where sin takes us. And yet we, yet we still choose to go down that path. And even if we might not know the temporary consequences in this life here and now, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin 
is that, that, that you and I are sinful beings by nature. We are born into sin. And without the, the covering of Jesus Christ and without us accepting the free gift of salvation that he offers through the, the pouring out of his blood on the cross to cover our sins, to wash us and to cleanse us and to give us new life through his life on that resurrection Sunday, without that over us and without that, that promise and the hope that we have in that, we're hopeless. And yet we continue to walk down this path as if sin doesn't have consequences. There are very real consequences to your sin. There are eternal consequences. There are temporary consequences. There are consequences in the natural. There are consequences in your physical. There are consequences in the mental. There are consequences in every area of your life for every action that you take. It's time for us to, to be on guard. First Peter 5, be vigilant. Be on guard. Don't let your guard down. The enemy would love nothing more than to trip you up as he did King David. And if David could sin the way that David sinned, who do we think that we are that we won't do the same? If David had consequences for his sin, who are you to think that there won't be consequences for yours? It breaks my heart. In, in the last several years, the number of high-profile pastors and ministers and church leaders that have had such terrible falls. And all we're seeing is the story of King David being played out right before our eyes. All we're seeing is pride get the best of people. All we're seeing is people living according to their fleshly desires, thinking that they can cover it up, thinking that they can keep it hidden, thinking that nobody will find out, thinking that nobody's going to know, nobody's going to see. But God's word says your sin will always fight you out. What's done in the dark will always be brought to the light. There are consequences for your sin. There are consequences for my sin. Galatians chapter 6 tells us, you'll always reap what you sow. You'll harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, they will harvest decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. There are consequences. The Bible says that one day each and every one of us is going to stand before him and give an account for every word, every action, everything that we've done, everything that we've said. And if we don't have Jesus as our advocate, rather than hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of the Lord, we'll hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And it's not just people out there who will hear depart from me. The sad reality is there are people sitting in churches all across the world today who on that day will hear depart from me. I never knew you. Jesus himself said, he says, they will say, did we not? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal in your name? Did we not do all of these great works in your name? And he'll still say, depart from me. I never knew you. Today there are consequences, and we need to get right. Here's the good news. I know, like, at this point in the message, you're like, I'm just waiting for the knockout punch. Like, I've got you up against the ropes, just body blow after body blow, and here comes the right hook. Like, you're just waiting for it, right? Like, oh, Pastor Doby would say, if you're like 100 pounds of sin on a popsicle stick, <laughs> it's Pastor Dobyism for you today. But here's, here's the, the last truth about sin that I want to leave you with today. Yes, there are no hidden sin. Yes, there is no small sin. Yes, sin will always have consequence. But here's the fourth truth about sin. Sin can be forgiven. 
That's the good news. See, the bad news is that each and every one of us have fallen short of God's standard. The bad news is that each and every one of us, our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all else. The bad news is that each and every one of us could never live out up to the standard of perfection that God has because only perfect, only, only perfect people can, can be in heaven. Only people without sin, with, without blemish. And I don't know about you, but that disqualifies me. But the good news is that that's why Jesus came. Jesus came and lived the life that you couldn't live and that I couldn't live. And because he lived that life and because he chose to give up his life for you and for me, that means that we can have new life in him. And the Bible says that if we would just confess, if we would just confess our sin, that he would be faithful and he would be just to forgive us. That's what 1 John says. If we would just, just confess it, not to a priest, not to me, not to a pastor, confess it to Confess it to him. Confess your sin. Come to him. What does that mean? It means coming to God and saying, God, listen, I know I messed up. I made, I made a mess. There's been pride in my life. There's been lust in my life. There's been unforgiveness in my life. There's bitterness in my life. There's been dishonesty in my life. I've lied to my boss or I've lied to my spouse or I've lied to my friends. I've lied here. Whatever the case may be, whatever those things are, confess them, bring them out, speak, speak them out, bring them into the light so that it's no longer in the darkness. Confess and then repent. What does it mean to repent? Repentance is not feeling sorry that you got caught. Repentance is not feeling guilty. Repentance is, is, is not those feelings of sorrow that you feel like, oh, I need to repent. No, repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change in action. That's what it means to, be repent, to, to repent. A change in mind that leads to a change in action. So after you confess, God, I messed up. God, here's what I did. Not that I have to tell you because you know, but I confess it. I've sinned. I've messed up. I've fallen short. I can't, I can't live up to the standard and I haven't. Would you please forgive me? Guess what? He will. And then as we repent, as we change our mind, God, give me a new mind. God, renew my mind. Give me the mind of Christ. Let the mind of Christ be in me. Renew my mind. Give me a new mind. Let it lead to a change in my action. And then would you sanctify me and would you cleanse me from here on out? Would you help me to walk according to your word? Would you not just, just, just clean me and wash me and, and make me white and make me new again? But God, would you lead me and guide me from this point on so I don't make the same mistakes that I did then? That's repentance. That's the heart that we should have. That's the heart that David had. After, after, in the middle of it all, it's like, David, you had so many opportunities to turn around, and he didn't. After Uriah didn't go home the first night, you could have just said, okay, you're right, I'm done. After he didn't go home the second night, you could have, you still continue down this path. Nathan comes, brings correction, and David's response, we read yesterday in Psalm 51. We read it in Psalm 50, and if you haven't read it, I would encourage you today to go and read it. But here's how he, here's how he begins Psalm 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin, wash me and clean me from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion, and it haunts me day and night. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you brought in with you today. I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know what the Holy Spirit has put his finger on today. But what I do know is that you have a choice today. And the choice is this. It's a choice that you're faced with every day. The choice is life or death. That's the choice that we all have, life or death. And if we choose to live according to the Spirit, we have the promise of everlasting life to come and abundant life here and now. But as Galatians says, if we live according to the flesh, all that that produces is death and decay. You have the choice to either confess your sin 
or to continue to try and hide your sin. You have the choice to either bring it into the light or wait for God to bring it into the light. This morning, some of you are sitting there and, and some of you are watching online and the Holy Spirit right now is bringing, bringing things to the surface. And it's, it's not fun. It doesn't feel good. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I need to repent of that. Yeah, I need to confess that. Yeah, maybe some of us need to go from this place and we need to ask forgiveness from other people that we've hurt. But today the choice is yours. You can walk out of this place the same way you were when you came in. Or like David, when confronted with the reality of his sin, said, you know what, I'm done, I'm done running. I'm done hiding, I'm done trying to cover it up. Isn't that exhausting? We've been there. We've had to, had to keep track of lie upon lie and which lie you told who and what story you told when and who believes what. It's exhausting. Yet when we confess and we repent and we walk in freedom and forgiveness, there is such peace and a weight that's lifted off because you weren't meant to carry that. Jesus died on the cross for it and he said, just give it to me. This morning, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take just a minute. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And if the Holy Spirit hasn't already revealed things to you this morning, we just encourage you to just ask him to right now. Say, God, search my heart. Search my life. God, if there's anything in me that displeases you, would you bring it to the surface? Not to relive it, not to rehash it, but so that I can confess it, that I can repent of it, and I can be free from it. Lord, this morning, we confess. Confess that we are sinners. As the Holy Spirit's brought things up to you, I would just encourage you right now just to confess those things. Just ask God to forgive you. God, would you forgive me of this? Would you forgive me of pride? Would you forgive me of lust? Would you forgive me of envy? Would you forgive me of lying, of dishonesty? God, would you, would you forgive me of bitterness? Would you forgive me of unforgiveness? Forgive me for, for hurting my brother or my sister, my neighbor. God, forgive me for being selfish. Forgive me for, for those things that I thought, those things that I did. Just, just begin to confess it right now. Lord, we confess we've sinned, we've messed up, we've all fallen short, we've all missed the mark. But Lord, we thank you that, that while those truths about sin are heavy and, and they should be because they have eternal consequences with them. Sin is no laughing matter. It's not a joke. It's not a game to be played. It's something to run from and avoid at all costs. But Lord, we thank you that, that the truth about sin is that sin can be forgiven. Jesus, we thank you that you came and you, you lived that life that we couldn't live. You paid the price that we should have paid. You took upon yourself the weight of the sin of the world. Because of your blood that's been shed, we could be washed and we could be cleansed and we could be made new. Lord, today, according to your word, we confess our sin. 
And we stand on the promise that you are faithful and you are just and you will forgive. And Lord, as you've forgiven us today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us on a new path. God, renew our minds. Lord, let the mind of Christ be in us. Holy Spirit, would you lead us and guide us and direct our steps? Today, God, for those of us that haven't called upon the name of Jesus, your word says that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved, that if we would believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you raised him from the dead, that our names would be written into the book of life. Lord, I feel like the entire service has led to this point from the songs that the, the team led us in today, talking about your blood and talking about the price that you paid, talking about breakthrough that can be experienced and found in you through the truth of your word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's led us to this place of confession and repentance and new life in you. Lord, as we go from this place, the enemy would seek to come and say, nothing's changed, nothing's different. You're the same as you were. And we can throw it back in his face that he is the father of lies and anything that comes from his mouth is a lie. If he's telling us we're not changed, then that means we're completely changed. Lord, I pray that as we go, that you would help us to be representations, to be representatives, to be ambassadors for your kingdom. Showing people the hope, the love, and the joy that is found in you. We thank you, Lord, that you discipline those you love. And your word is profitable and it's beneficial and it's useful for, for teaching and for encouraging, but there's times where it's useful for correcting and rebuking. But thank you for the correction today. And the only reason you correct us is because you love us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for this time. Go with us this week in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you guys. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things. Helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals. And we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ.